Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Vocal Girls. I'm your host Megan Gray and this is the music podcast where I get to know the people behind the music. In each episode I speak to a different band, artist or music professional about their experiences so far within the industry. Each guest creates an exclusive playlist full of their most life-defining songs. That way we can hear all about the music and moments that have made them the people and musicians that they are today. Hello and welcome back to the Vocal Girls podcast. This week, I'm speaking to Leah Metcalf, who's the lead singer of the incredible rock band, Mysteries. Originally from Liverpool, the group have not only supported bands like Royal Blood and the Amazons, but also completely sold out their own UK headline tour, which they rounded up just before the pandemic started in the UK. Leah's fierce vocals combined with the band's energetic and heavy sound is getting them some serious credit and quickly aligning them as one of the bands to watch this year. Their single, Love's Not Enough, released a few months back is one of my personal favourite songs of 2020 so far. And the latest release, I Win Every Time, is confident and an arresting showcase of who they are and who they want to be. I can't wait to catch up with Leah and hear about what she's been up to as well as what she's put on her playlist. I'm quite enjoying it, weirdly, unlike everyone else. (laughs) I just feel like I've been isolated for years, so it's something I'm quite good at, really. (laughs) Staying inside. Got lots of practice in beforehand. Yeah, lots of. <laughs> so what have you been kind of doing with your time then? Um, just like writing loads with the with the lads from the band and stuff and just uh, kind of planning what, what to do after watching loads of films and eating. <laughs> so are you staying with the guys from the band at the moment then? Um, no, I'm staying on my isolated alone. Yeah. Oh, wow. So you're just kind of communicating with them over Zoom and stuff to write um, things? Yeah, just on WhatsApp. We don't really kind of like sick of seeing each other's faces after touring so much that we just text each other (laughs) fair enough but yeah I think some bands have found it quite difficult to like keep the band feeling like a band Mm. in all of this yeah it's all it's all sound we're still sending each other weird memes and stuff whatever you do (laughs) I think it's more like I don't know like you've got more time to kind of focus on writing and do things that inspire writing like reading and watching films and stuff so you kind of got like you kind of been designated some sort of time that you wouldn't when you were touring so much so yeah Yeah. I'm quite enjoying it for that reason it's definitely quite nice to be still for a while Mm. but you kind of got you got your tour in sort of just before yeah we were all started didn't you yeah I think it was like about whilst we were on tour but it wasn't like no one was thinking it was gonna cause a pandemic or anything but um yeah we were lucky we got to do that otherwise we wouldn't have been able to gig at all this year I don't think it's looking like yeah. but um yeah I'm glad we got to do that 
because yeah it finished like right at the end of february so it was literally just on the thing before lockdown yeah. i think like we came home and like it must have been two weeks after or not even two weeks actually like a week and like it was lockdown and i was saying to like the lads yeah. like imagine like someone said that like a week ago the whole country's gonna be on lockdown we would have just been like that's just not gonna happen <laughs> i know it's so mad isn't it i think i've said this to a lot of people like even like just the end of last year if someone had told you like what was going to happen you'd have literally just thought they were mad yeah you'd have been like that's rubbish yeah, yeah would have been mad <laughs> it is so like a film it's very odd yeah it's really weird it's like the final destination or something isn't it <laughs> <laughs> i know let's just hope we've got a different ending yeah that. yeah i um i like sort of did the same i had a really kind of long stint of lot going to lots of gigs like right before it started and on the last weekend i think i had like four in a week yeah and I was exhausted and I was like oh god I really just need a break from gigs and I just <laughs> wished I had wish too time. soon I know exactly exactly have you been finding that you've been like listening to lots of music as well as writing and stuff in your time yeah definitely I mean I kind of like listen to music all the time anyway just because I have to but um yeah I suppose I've probably been reading a lot more it's kind of hard to like keep up with like a book when you're on tour so much because you can't. I can't read yeah. the van because I get car sick really bad. But um, yeah, probably reading a lot more, and um, yeah, we've got like a whole like reference playlist that would be like referenced to for the debut album. So putting that together is like equal than like a five hour long playlist now because you've got loads of time to focus in on it. So I think yeah. if lockdown wasn't happening, it would have been maybe like forty minutes, but an extra few hours has it on that out of boredom <laughs> it's collaborative as well very dangerous <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> yeah so um what kind of things have you been reading then um i've been reading quite a lot of like nick powers stuff recently um he's in the coral and like released a few books i've been reading some of his stuff um oscar wilde um sylvia plath loads of stuff really just stuff i normally read anyway but like I've got more yeah. time to kind of read it now, I suppose, rather than getting halfway through a book and you've got, like, three weeks on tour. You just need to fuck it off then because you can't yeah. write. <laughs> Do you find then that a lot of the stuff that you're reading kind of inspires the writing for the songs or yeah. is that more personal stuff? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's good to kind of read stuff that you... Like, how it's written, you want to also communicate like that through your music, I suppose. And it's always good just to read anyway, just to kind of... It's kind of just, like, refreshing you, like, word bank, I suppose. Yeah. You can kind of realise some of that when, when it comes to writing yourself or take stuff directly from things, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. always good to keep reading when you're writing anyway. And um, you've been doing a couple of uh, live stuff from home, mm-hmm. is that right? So you did, like, a home homeschooling festival? Yeah, we did that dork one, but um, my vo- my voice was like really bad on it because my throat was really sore. So, uh, it's quite w- it's quite weird doing them. Though. I've I've tried to kind of stay away from doing them too much because it just feels a bit weird. You know what I mean? Doing like a gig on your own. Yeah, I was gonna ask because I feel like, especially with a band like yours, I feel like you probably really bounce off the audience and the kind of yeah. reactions. So I can't. I feel like I would find it so awkward just mm. like kind of. It's just weird anyway, like speaking to a camera on your own. I definitely couldn't be a yeah. YouTuber. 
spend hours yeah. listening to your own voice. <laughs> One of the hardest bits I find about the podcast is doing the intros because I'm just sat on my own and you have to pretend that you're talking yeah. to people and it's so horrible. <laughs> and also you've got the added pressure of knowing that a hell of a lot of people are tuning in watching you at that time as well. Yeah, so. exactly. I just think you can overdo it on those things. People, it was a good idea to start off with loads of people. It was good, you know what I mean, to kind of see that musicians are still carrying on. But I feel like every time you're on Instagram now, people have done them and it's just getting a bit boring. Someone's live, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, no one, like, no one even gigs that much. Some people have done, like, more of those fucking live streams than they have actual gigs. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And it'll just, it'll never, ever replace the real thing. Like, Yeah, definitely um, not. I had I did like this like questionnaire about a festival in London um and they were asking like in the future would you would you rather pay and watch from home than go and I was like what like I I was actually like concerned that this is even a question like I'm really worried I hope this doesn't start like a trend I know it's just like pay to watch when you're home (laughs) it's so much about just like the whole experience of being there and I just don't think that anything kind of matches that in life really exactly and so in terms of how this kind of lockdown has affected the band what what impact has it had on you are you meant to be touring at the moment or anything we had like loads of dates lined up that have been cancelled which we were gutted about especially at the festivals in the summer because they're always good to play especially outdoors and stuff but um i suppose just like practicing can't really get in a room and practice and stuff and even though I'm still writing and we're still like sending each other stuff, new stuff, it's kind of just hard to kind of, um, kind of depict an idea when it's just you. You know what I mean? Sometimes you need to do it as a full band. So, um, yeah. that's kind of put limitations to it. But I suppose limitations make you expand further anyway, and you know challenges Definitely, and stuff are yeah. good for the band. So, yeah, it's not it's not been too bad actually. Yeah, I don't think we were supposed to be on tour anyway till the end of the year. Which is still like penciled in to, to happen, so I'm not too sure what will what if it grow Hopefully. Ahead. Yeah, hopefully it will. I mean we're kind of relaxing lockdown ish at the moment. I'm just hoping yeah. there's not gonna be a, a kind of bounce back of the Yeah. <laughs> I think any kind of any kind of loosening of the restrictions just mm. feels like a bit of a a double edged sword because you're like yeah. on one hand you're like really happy that things are kind of beginning to yeah. feel like normal again. On the other hand it's like oh no what is it, it kind of comes back even more yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i know i'm just i'm just looking forward to being able to like when you see your mate mm. just actually like give them a hug yeah and not stand two meters away from them <laughs> it's so weird when you like arrive to see someone like all social cues just go out the window yeah i actually hate <laughs> human contact so i reckon we should keep a two meter rule after the lockdown <laughs> further away from me than I was going to say like because I'm really like needy and physical affection like cuddly all the time but I feel like for people if you're saying you're like that yeah this must be it's been, great yeah it's like everyone stay away from me I've got an excuse now <laughs> don't look dead weird <laughs> what have been your main sort of positives your silver linings from this whole thing um I moved out like just before the lockdown got really heavy so been I've been like on my own and stuff which isn't as daunting as it kind of initially seemed um yeah I think it's just more time to kind of focus in on myself and you don't have to worry about you know other people and going out so much because you can just live in your own sort of space for a bit so yeah I've I've enjoyed it (laughs) 
So I wanted to kind of ask how it all started out for you. I'm interested to know how you kind of first got into music. Um, well, my dad was a musician, so I was always just kind of surrounded by it. He was quite young when he had me, so um, he was like in like an early young band and stuff, and he's always done it. So I've just always been surrounded by it, I suppose. And I never really thought oh, I want to be a musician. It just kind of happened. I suppose, in terms of, like, always... It was almost, like, a given. Yeah, just kind of, like, I enjoyed it, and, like, I always like writing stuff, like, stories as a kid. So I just kind of fell into it, I suppose. I didn't really... I never really planned to do it. It just kind of happened. <laughs> you started doing strip-back acoustic gigs when you were just 13, is that right? Yeah, I did. My first, like, gig that I ever did acoustically was in, uh, like, Liverpool had this, like, cafe, which, like... It was like a reinvented Central Park Cafe or Friends. Um, <laughs> and it was called Central Park Cafe. And I just did an acoustic set there. I think I just played like four tunes. I think I covered Springsteen, I'm on fire. And the girl there just like was like, oh, you should come back. I never went back because once you've done it, I just, I just thought I can't be bothered doing it again. But And then I did another one. I only ever did two. And then that was it really. I just kind of stopped doing that and... I met my manager and just kind of went from there, really. I mean, that must have been terrifying at, like, 13, just doing, like... Yeah. <laughs> ...some gigs in front of everyone. Or you just... Or do you not get nervous about that kind of thing? No, I do, I do definitely get really nervous. I, I, I can't really remember being nervous for them. Um, maybe I was. I think I was just more, like, happy to kind of be doing something outside of school at that point and just kind of... Yeah, I, I can't really remember being nervous, but may, maybe I was. Probably was. <laughs> It's very admirable, I think, to put yourself out there. At that yeah, kind of... you have to. You have to if you're going to do something. can't just stay in your own box all the time because you end up just ending, believing in, in something that isn't maybe happening and thinking everything you do is good. And if you put yourself out there and someone says it's shit, it makes you better then, doesn't it? Yeah, I think, I think there's a kind of a temptation if you're worried about putting yourself out there to be a perfectionist. And actually yeah. perfectionism is quite... Is quite dangerous because it doesn't really give you the space to grow and exactly. actually like fail at something and then get better yeah so yeah i think i think actually just sometimes the act of actually just doing something is quite empowering in yeah itself. totally so from there how, how did you meet your manager then was that just a kind of did he see you play or is it he was at one of the open mics and he'd, he'd never done managing before either he was like in a band himself and still quite young so um yeah, we just kind of like decided that he was going to manage me, whatever that meant at that point. It was just based off like trust. And he just used to make me Spotify playlists, tell me to learn these sick <laughs> tunes or like write a song like this. And I ended up like writing loads of songs that were really terrible to look back on. But <laughs> um, yeah, just kind of did that. And his brother, we got in the studio when I was like 16, I think, and recorded Hormone, which is like really like teenage I look back on it but um it was fun at the time and just kind of yeah we just work I've worked with him for so long and, and his and his family and stuff and we're really close you know what I mean so it's just a, like a big unit that kind of gets stronger and was it always this kind of sound this kind of like I mean how do you how do you self-describe your music genre I never like to say before people say yeah I don't know really I, I, it's hard because like we're all individually inspired by a lot of music, you know what I mean? So it's kind of hard to pinpoint what it is. And 
especially when you've got a clearer, clearer view or something, you can kind of see how it develops. So if I say, oh, we're like alternative now, in like three years or three albums or whatever, we could be doing something completely different. And then, mm. you know what I mean? It's kind of hard to pinpoint it, but I guess it's just like, it's just like rock music really, isn't it? Yeah. It's guitar yeah. music. There isn't really much. I'm not going to give it a really big fancy name. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and so was it always that kind of stuff that you were into making and from the outset I think so like that's what the whole like idea was to be quite heavy and stuff a lot the new stuff's a lot more heavy than it initially was but yeah I, I think I was just like brought up around like the strokes and like you know Kings of Leon Black Rebel Motorcycle Club and stuff so it was just always a given that was going to happen really yeah you can definitely hear those kind of influences yeah and so how kind of did you guys form the band itself was that through your manager or did you know each other beforehand um I met the bass player George when I was I think I was like 14 maybe 15 and um I just somehow knew we played an instrument and just asked him to join the band off the fact how he was dressed I guess and luckily he played bass because no one plays that around here anyway so yeah it was good and I stuck with George for ages and we've been through a few different lineups and um we met the uh Callum and Paul who are in the band now at um a gig in town psychedelic phone crumpets and we kind of just went from there really started practicing with each other and writing and that's the band now <laughs> it's funny what you said about you picked him because of how he dressed like, yeah it's amazing how often that happens I was, I was speaking to the last band I had on the clockworks and we were talking about how um Joe Strummer of The Clash um they spotted their bass player yeah because of how he was dressed and he had no idea how to play the bass and they just like oh, made really? him learn because he looked the part yeah I think because I was like <laughs> I was 14 I was just kind of like dead naive and thought Anyone who dresses in like skinny jeans and a shirt must like music. So I was just, I think I like. <laughs> well, you obviously right. Yeah, I was lucky that happened. Some weird instincts with it. Luckily, yeah, you could actually play bass. Got a radar. Yeah, bass radar. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, skipping forward a bit now to mm-hmm. um, "Love's Not Enough" was released earlier this year. That is, by the way, an amazing record. It's one oh. of my favorite records of this year. Really, oh, I really, re- really love it. It's thanks great. A lot. It's so emotive and powerful and, like, proper rock music. Yeah. In terms of the kind of inspiration for that, like... Yeah, I don't really know, really. I started writing it. Um, I think we were driving home from a gig in Bristol. I started writing the lyrics to it then. Because, like, the the initial verse started off as, like, a poem. And then um, I, like, ripped off, like, a tune-in from, like, a Radiohead song and, like, just played around with, like, shapes and that, really, and just wrote the riff um I can't really remember writing it too much but um yeah there's nothing that there's nothing like specific that it's about other than the fact that love's not enough to make things last which is what it says Mm. in the song really but um yeah I really liked writing it and when we were in the studio we kind of had that whole um like spring scene I'm on fire vibe with the whole guitar sound maybe and a bit more like reverby than other stuff so that was definitely yeah. a reference to the song. Do you find that happens a lot then with the whole, th- like almost like songs being poetry mm-hmm. before they become your songs? Yeah, sometimes it depends on the song really. Cause you, you know, I write separ- separately to writing lyrics. 
as well and sometimes you can go back on like poems and stuff and take lines out or like descript descriptions and put them in poem um songs so um yeah it depends on the song really sometimes you just write the lyrics to it and just think you know they're done you don't need to think about them too much sometimes yeah. it's like a really thought out it's definitely a lot more mature than the other songs the other songs were written at quite an early age and stuff when i still didn't really know what i was like writing or my style of writing and i suppose love's not enough kind of slips into that whole sector as well of kind of being unaware with a like pinpoint of what i want to write about but um it it came through as a good song so i can't really complain <laughs> like now if you were saying perhaps that you weren't quite settled on what your sound was before do you feel like this is this is like clear now as you, as who mysterines are yeah and i think it takes a long time for bands to kind of decipher that i suppose especially when you start out quite young like i was 16 when i recorded hormone and like me 16 year old compared to like me now is a big difference you know what I mean I was still in school yeah. and stuff so um yeah I think it's a lot more clear and especially with the new single and stuff it's a it's a bit more um refined the new single I win every time it's just been released yeah so do you want to tell me a bit about that one yeah yeah it was that's it's kind of like a heavy heavier song definitely more reflects the stuff that's going to be on the album um I had really fun right had a fun writing it as well. So there's not much to say about it really. It's just a boss tune, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's great. And I saw that for this song, so I win every time, you've done the music video, you've made it during isolation. Yeah, yeah. It looks great. Yeah. Considering especially like how how the hell you did that I at know. home. How did you find making it? I can't really remember to be honest. I drank like a whiskey <laughs> when I wrote it. <laughs> I mean, did it? Yeah, it was. It was weird. We kind of just wanted to just do something mad and a bit more. You know, I don't know. It was just. It was. It was fun to record and like. Um, it's inspired by one of PJ Harvey's videos for a song called Man Size. Um, and I seen that like ages ago. I thought I'd love to do something like that. And isolation was like the perfect time to do it, really, because everyone's indoors you know going a bit insane so I just wanted to exaggerate that idea I guess yeah and it's a great way to kind of creatively challenge yourself to do something like that without all the kind of sort of group team effort that I guess it would usually be yeah definitely it was just me in my room or my old room in my old house and um with a camera and whiskey <laughs> and that's kind of what <laughs> happened <laughs> how long how long did it take to do it oh too long so long it was <laughs> so annoying and tedious it took I, I had to keep facetiming Corey, who was like who is like the director of the stuff that we normally do just like for stupid shit over the fucking stand with the camera and stuff like stuff i don't care about you know what i mean i was just like it's taking way too long to do this i might just fuck it off and he was like no just you know carry on doing it i'll be boss and it worked out to be fair you gotta know, step out of line I don't know how it'll play out of my mind But I'll tell you something, I win every time 
album coming out then so the debut album when can we expect that probably like next year i suppose um just gonna write it this year probably gonna record it next year um and release it and then just move on so have you got a few got a few for that now then already yeah definitely and a lot more um structured ideas as what we want to get across and stuff in the writing are they all kind of sounding as heavy as the first two that we've seen so far or is is it kind of is there going to be a bit of a mix yeah i think it definitely reiterates initial sounds that we had as a band and like carries it through but in a lot more mature way you know what i mean a little bit more yeah. confident in what it is rather than kind of like sitting between the middle ground of like it could be heavy it could be like indie pop or whatever people are calling yeah. it um it's definitely a lot more you know um clear as to what it is it must be exciting to have the prospect of a first album out yeah it's really fun and it's kind of it's a really good thing to work towards as well and you can kind of for me anyway it's it, it's a whole like vibe of the band that's really exciting and especially with like the new lineup in the band and stuff it's more um confident and kind of being able to communicate what it is or what it will be. <laughs> There's an enemy quote about you that says, Leah Metcalf has a snarl so ferocious and a stage presence so commanding that naysayers still doubting guitar music's future in 2020 will be left pissing their pants. Ah, that's a nice thing to say. That's quite some, uh, yeah, it's quite some quote. Who said that? Enemy. Ah. <laughs> in terms of your live performance um how how does it feel when you perform on stage i used to hate it i used to really hate performing live really yeah i used to just it was like i just hate i don't know i just really didn't like it it was kind of just like oh i don't know it was like a mindset of mine and i was i was obviously still really young you know what i mean and like yeah it's hard to put yourself out there when you're so young if you still don't really get what you are you know what i mean you can't convince like a full audience of people that you are something if you don't know what it is as well you just yeah. i just ended up panicking anyway but that the last tour we did and the amazon's tour and stuff it was a lot more fun and you know i haven't been in school for a long time so i suppose that whole side of it is kind of freed me up in terms of understanding that music's definitely just what i want to do so mm. you just kind of have to throw yourself in the deep end with it really and um it paid off, I guess. I really enjoyed the last tour. What sort of, what changed then in your mindset in terms of going from hating it to enjoying it? Believe, I don't know, believing in yourself obviously helps, but like it's hard to just say to someone, oh, you got to believe in yourself to do it because you can't, Yeah. it's easier said than done, isn't it? But probably just growing up a bit and just, you know, fucking school off and stuff that makes you th- overthink yourself, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. It's a complete, it's a mindset, you know what I mean? And like, it's, I think every like musician goes through that especially when you're touring so much it gets a bit full-on you know what i mean like weeks on end but mm. um yeah you just kind of it's, it is a whole mindset and you can get out of it pretty quickly as you go into it really you just convince yourself <laughs> we'll talk a bit about your playlist now then so how did you find making it yeah, it was fun to like look back on kind of how, um, like what was the first song I remember listening to to like up to this point really. It so was, is uh, it done chronologically then? Yeah, I think so. Oh yeah, it starts off with the Beatles, doesn't it? Yeah, I just remember listening to that album loads when I was a kid. My dad used to listen to the White Album, 
Rubber Soul. I think they were the only two we really listened to. And all of like John Lennon's solo stuff. That was like a big, mm. big part of like him at that time. And therefore me. Those three tunes at the top actually. He listens to loads of soul music and they always listen to Kings and Leon and the strokes and stuff. So those yeah. three those three at the top are pretty, you know, like remind me of being a kid, definitely. It's funny that O Bladi O Blada one. I feel like that would that would probably be on mine because my dad used to have like a, t- a tape in his car. Yeah. It was like best of the sixties, and I like as I grew up, we went every time I went to my dad's house, I I literally learned like all the words yeah. to every song. Yeah. And I think that was like the first on the tape. Yeah, it's a boss tune that proper reminds me of a kid. And that um, Kings of Leon track that you talked about, I feel like they this kind of the early stuff of them has that kind of same audacious energy that your music has is do you feel like you're quite inspired by by that yeah lots of people sort of say they can kind of like make the tie between us and kings early on it was never like an intentional thing to be honest mm. it's only only kind of became more intentional as we referenced sort of sounds and stuff now for the album but um initially it wasn't intentional i think it was just being brought up around that album and the band i mean it's particularly that early the early stuff. I yeah. think that's their first, that's first album, isn't it? Yeah, um, that is. It's it's that kind of really like I don't know, like an apologetic fun yeah like rock and roll that's got a bit of an attitude. Yeah. Which I kind of see in you guys. Can I pick one? Yeah, go on. Let's go for kids, MGMT. Kids. Yeah, that was like when I first got my first like MP three player. My dad like <laughs> let me pick some like songs off like windows media player and i think i picked that one because the cover i like used to try and dress like harano when i was a kid and i thought they were dressed a bit like flamboyant so i put that on it and i put the marley cyrus one on it as well because i loved that album when i was a kid and um <laughs> yeah kids mgmt really reminds you of of like initially when i started listening to music independently when i was about like seven or eight and I think they played Glastonbury, I can't remember what year it was. And I watched it on the TV with my mum. And I remember him like carrying flowers on stage. Um, and I didn't obviously know who Maurice was at that point. My mum and dad didn't really listen to the Smiths, but I remember thinking it was their cool because he had like a bandana on and was carrying flowers. And I thought, I think like, <laughs> yeah, I just thought he was their cool when I was like seven and got into MGMT loads. It's amazing the, the power that Glastonbury has. Even when you're not there, you can kind of fall in love with a band over... Yeah watching them on telly on it yeah I definitely. feel like I had I had that with like I watched it like all through the years and then I was already really in love with Foles yeah and then I watched their set at Glastonbury and I was just like I remember like jumping around the living room when I yeah. was really young like oh my god I have to go like it yeah. became like a a mission yeah um, but yeah MGMT they have such a distinctive sound they do and I feel like that song is so it's so distinctive of that year and that yeah. time. Yeah. I feel like lo- loads of people, like, it was a kind of an anthem for that year. I remember just, like, playing out, <laughs> playing out. Yeah. <laughs> when you're younger, like, and everyone have that song playing out of, like, some shitty speaker in the field. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a really, like, iconic, like, opening song, isn't it? Like, the sound of yeah. it is really recognisable and it definitely has a lot of nostalgia attached to it for people like at that time for people i reckon yeah definitely um do you want to pick another one um yeah uh i put flume bon Iver and ballad of a thin man by bob dylan on there 
I remember like learning, like the first time I liked guitar, I remember it was before school one day, year three. And we would, like in our school, we had like a full module dedicated to the Beatles. I think just because... Really? Yeah, we did, like, year three, it was just, like, we just learned about the Beatles, really. And I remember telling everyone I could play guitar when I couldn't at that point. And, like, I, my dad, like, I had a guitar at home, and, like, I really liked Bon Iver when I was a kid. And um, he just taught me flume before school. I couldn't play it still, but I just pretended that I could and went in and was like, yeah, I wrote this song. And I just <laughs> blacked that I wrote flume by Bon Iver. And then... Ballad of a Thin Man was like one of the, one of the first tunes. Like I love Bob Dylan so much, and like he's my, my, like my favorite songwriter ever. He's the best for me. He's and incredible. Like, yeah. Ballad of a Thin Man was like the first one that I learned. I think it wasn't the first one on, on guitar, but it was the first one I could play all the way through, and really kind of resonate with the lyrics and stuff, and it opened that whole side to me in terms of like, you know, elusive writing and sort of kind of storytelling in, in music yeah. so yeah that was a big song as well for me i mean that's like a six minute song as well isn't it he's yeah. like the ultimate storyteller bob dylan yeah he's the he's the best and the bon Iver for like i mean they have the power to kind of make you feel things even if you have nothing to feel yeah <laughs> definitely like that, that whole album is is so like it, they didn't release anything after that for like eight years or something yeah and everyone just kind of survived off it I feel yeah like. I think people still do it's definitely his best album 100% yeah I don't think he's done anything as good as that even though he's still no. got amazing songs after that I don't think he's done anything as good as um I think it's called forever isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. it's kind of a very yeah it's very much this is like who we are and what we do and yeah and then it kind of gifted it to the world I feel yeah. like I wanted to ask about the choral one. So don't think you're the first. Yeah, it just reminds me of when I first started working with um, James from the choral and stuff. I hadn't really listened to them too much before I, I started working with them. Um, and I just remember, like, I had, um, like, a Walkman, like, CD, like, player thing. I went on, like, a school trip where you, like, stayed away for, like, a week and I took that with me because I didn't, like, have a phone or anything. Um and I t- I think I had that album on CD Magic and Medicine and just listened to it the whole time and it like it was just really cool and it like kind of like led to a different like point in in what I listened to at that point you know what I mean kind of flipped mm. it around and I started listening to a lot more like kind of weirder stuff like Captain Beefheart and stuff based off that album and don't think you're the first I just I just remember thinking it was a really cool line and it's really kind yeah. of it resonated with me when I was second like year I think I was like in year eight or something and I got into the choral from that really and it was it was cool to kind of like listen to to James's music after like working with him and then realizing yeah. like what he'd done and then kind of yeah it, I just really like that album it's boss it's definitely my favorite choral album so if I was to ask you to pick one of these as your kind of ultimate ultimate song yeah. Which, which would it be? It's hard. Uh, no, sorry. I don't know, you know. Um, probably it, it'd just be Ballad of a Thin Man just for the fact it's a Bob Dylan song. Yeah. And, like, he's the best out of all of them and always will be for me. So it would have to just be that song, definitely. Yeah. He's got the same birthday as me. Oh, does he? <laughs> 
boss. There's a boss shit birthday. trivia fact for you. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I found that out. I was like, yes. Are you a Gemini then? Gemini. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a big Gemini. I love that you know his star sign. You're a true fan. Yeah, big fan. <laughs> <laughs> if people are looking for some new music to listen to in isolation, mm-hmm. who would you recommend people go and listen to? Um, Fontaine CC. Definitely. They're the best yeah. in the band. Um, I don't know, because I don't really know what's like new, what's considered new anymore, because like, what's considered new to me is kind of like people who are still... Oh, it's totally subjective. Yeah, I, d- I don't Just know go really. For whatever you like. Yeah, Fontaine's, and mm. we're all, like everyone in the band's really looking forward to their next record they're putting out. So that should be really cool. Yeah, um, yeah their new their new single's great, isn't it? Yeah, it's, just it's really cool. It's so good. They're they're all kind of what you were saying about how you sometimes write poetry first. Mm-hmm. They're all poets as well, aren't they? A lot of their. Mm-hmm. I think they read I mean, a lot it, of lit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. They had like that short documentary where they like talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. Yeah. It was cool. I've never actually seen you live and that's something I definitely want to do. So next time I play London. You definitely um honestly one of my favourite bands at the moment. I'm really, oh. really excited about where thanks. it's going. So thanks a lot. And it's been so great to talk to you, so thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so much to Leah for speaking to me. If you haven't already checked out The Mysterians, then they are a must listen. So definitely put that on your music to-do list. You can find the link to Leah's playlist in the episode description. So feel free to check that out now that you've heard all the stories and memories associated with it. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends and subscribe so that you're notified when we have a new one out. And you can find Vocal Girls at vocalgirls.com or on Instagram or Twitter at Vocal Girls Club. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week.